Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Hey friends, I'm glad to uh, be with you today with my friend, Ben Kacharis, who leads Mountain Christian Church up in Baltimore area, a couple campuses and some amazing long-term impact in that community. And uh, we have built a relationship over time with Stadia board, and uh, I love hearing Ben talk. So I'm going to be quiet as soon as possible. Just to reset our frame, we're going through these listening tour findings. And the third of our findings is that this topic of soul care in many leadership contexts is still a bit held in suspicion or outright contempt or concern. And Ben has a lot of great wisdom on how he personally has encountered um, some of those vibes among his staff and, uh, and then how he's navigated that as a leader. So Ben, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for, thanks for having me on Mindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe say a little bit at the beginning as we start out about how you became um familiar with the language of soul care over time. Obviously, you have a deep abiding relationship with God, but how did the language of soul care get introduced to you? Yeah, it's um, it's maybe a story that in certain ways has an overlap or two with your own story, Mindy, as I heard you have you know, told yours in a few different settings. I was, um, I'm a, you know, if you're an Enneagram kind of person, I'm a three just to kind of, you know, out myself that way. I, I'm, I've always been a kind of achiever and more is better. And, you know, let's cram more in. Let's kind of refuse to acknowledge any limits in life because more is better. And that worked really well for me all the way through school and so many parts of my life. And it actually translated really well to academics, mm-hmm. Bible college, seminary and ministry actually really uh, worked really well. Uh, for me for a long time until it didn't. And um, when I found myself at uh, where I am now at Mountain Christian Church out here um, in in Maryland, um, you know, it just kept growing and growing and getting bigger and bigger. And so the candle, you know, burning on both ends, I needed another end to burn. It was just, and, and it finally, I began to see all the symptoms that we don't like to see in ourselves, mm. um, you know, resentment and pity party and waiting for conversations to end so I could get away from people uh, and uh, and then, you know, seeking escapes and all kinds of things like, wait a second, anger, you know, coming out. So it was out of a desperate kind of place, a mm. sort of honesty and some team members pulled me aside after a period of wonderful, exciting growth um, and just said, you know, we love you. We love working with you. We love what's going on here, but you're killing us. Mm. Um, We can't keep up. And I don't think it's good for you and good for us. And something's got to change. And that was a real like, what's the matter with you people? We're having so much fun kind of moment for me, but it was also (laughs) like spoke to something very, very, real and true in my own spirit because there was dissatisfaction with like i think we're leading a lot of people to jesus but i think it might be killing Mm. something inside of me wow so that's what it was a sort of and this was kind of if i can say it this way before soul care was cool (laughs) you know there wasn't like um there wasn't as easy to find someone like you mindy to come alongside and and help and uh because we were still sort of on that trajectory out of the church growth movement where more was better. And um, 
it was it was out of that kind of place where we just began to make some friends with some other people who are coming coming alongside churches to say you know let's talk about how to be healthier for the long haul it was kind of in that language like let's it, it, let's talk about how to do the work of Jesus in a way that doesn't kill the work of Jesus in us kind of thing. And so that's how I came into it. And, and so that began actually a pretty major change in our church. Um, it was over time because it took a long time for me to kind of rewire some habits. And, but it, it, it is, it has now come kind of full circle where it's like, Hey, you're not cool. If you're a, if you're a workaholic on this staff, you know, you're, you know, yeah. you're, you're only going to be a hero if you are able to manage your life with some rhythms and, 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 um, some better soul care health. And that's come as a result of implementing some policies and introducing a lot. So that's how I came into it years ago was just out of a desire and a necessity to be healthier, not be that leader that was, you know, killing everyone on their team. And, and to say, what are we reproducing here for crying out loud? Let's reproduce something that feels like an authentic, really a journey with Jesus that, 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 um, yeah, that, that is worthy of replication. And so the question behind it all for us was, how do we do it? Because some of the models were like, oh, my gosh, I'm not a contemplative. I'm not a navel gazer. I'm not. A, I, I want to go to the interior castle occasionally, but I really I want to <laughs> come out and stand by the door, you know, to kind of mix those stories there. I want to stand by the door rather than live in the castle. Can this even be done? Can you lead a large, effective, flourishing church and have a soul? That was really the question. And um, yeah, so I don't know where you want to go from there. But yeah, I mean, yeah. for us, that was like, there were all these, there were some voices or even early on that kind of implied, well, of course not. You you have to choose between like, um, do you want to be an authentic person who knows Jesus? Or do you want to be a part of this sort of cold machine that just churns out, you know, and burns people up? And just, there, there's just plenty of wonderful things to be said about a contemplative life and there's plenty of good things to be said about or, or, or true things to be said about churches that burn people out but it still seemed to me there had to be some kind of space in the middle yep. where just being fruitful in god honoring ways uh, didn't seem to uh, necess- make it necessary to also just be a hollowed out you know soul so that's that's been our journey is trying yeah. to figure out how to find that space and uh, create the kinds of rhythms, policies, structures, expectations and practices among a staff team and a church that just we just had many our biggest year, 33 percent growth we've ever had. But we're probably also a little more in tune with just like, hey, let's let's take care of our souls than we've ever been also. So I yeah. feel like after 20 years of this sort of journey. Right. I think we've got a lot of staff people would say, yeah, we can do we can do some of both. God's honoring the growth is an af- is more of a byproduct of it's not like trying to cram in soul care now. Right. Like, right. It's more like now out of this, there's this flourishing that God is giving as a byproduct. So exciting. Well, and that's the, that's our th- sort of theory of change, right? That as we care for our souls, as our souls are healthy, as we are, you know, as we've talked about in the past, alive to God. As we're doing that, then of course the 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 energies, the life force of the living God move mm. through us and then into people's lives and into yeah. systems and structures and policies and things like you've said. Uh, I want to go back. You you kind of casually mentioned how many years you've been in on this journey. And I really want people to hear how long you've been sitting at this integrative work. Well, 
I'm not sure I can name the exact year, but I remember the conversation. I remember some of the people that were on staff that pulled me aside to say these things, yep. almost like an intervention, like, you're awesome, but you realize you're not that healthy. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> thank you. Could you say that you're awesome part again? <laughs> right. Because right. I like that part, but I, I didn't I didn't know what to do with the other. I think it was probably, I think this has been, I, it's been, uh, it's been about 20 years. Yeah. I love that. It's been a 20-year journey. And and I would say, you know, what we did is, in our case, we made a policy. It was almost tongue-in-cheek because we knew that if we didn't institutionalize some things yep. about our rhythms, our practices, it would it would probably not happen because I, being this kind of driven, like, love to get things done, I'm an achiever, let's rally a team that likes to work hard and then try to get them to pull back rather than try to motivate people. That's always how I've done that. And, and well, we knew if we didn't have a policy, it would never probably happen. We'd never learn. So we did. We made a policy of some things. And, and over time, that has kind of infiltrated itself into the expectations and the culture of who we are. What you celebrate, you duplicate. And so if you only celebrate accomplishment and achievement, you're going to be driven by those things. But if you also um, make it an expectation that, you know, when is your quarterly half day off with Jesus? Because now your supervisor is going to ask you and you're going to be yep. celebrated for like way to go. You know, that over time works its way in. It's like, you know, they really value this. When you say to every new person, hey, this ministry that you've taken should nurture your walk with Jesus. Not every minute is going to be like this going to camp. But, um, you know, when you're a kid, it's not going to be, you know, that, but it should bless you. It should bless your family. And if the general pattern is that it's no longer doing that, you're doing something wrong because we've got all things in place that will give you the boundaries and the, and the blessings to to have a rhythmic life that 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 has rest and work in a in a creative interplay that invites an inner journey with Jesus more than just producing for him. So. That's, you know, it's taken a while to turn the barge because it um, because it's taken a while for me to change. And it does. A re- it is a reflection of some of the leaders. You know, I really yeah, think admit that. There, there's a top down kind of vibe to this, whether we like it or not. Well, I think that's the essence of leadership. That is there's there's something that could be unhealthy about that, perhaps. But there's also by God's design, it's like how parents shape their kids. A leader is going to shape an organization. And so as your journey has gone on, for sure. So as maybe staff that weren't homegrown that came in from the outside, or I know you you connect with other megachurch pastors that are sort of nurturing and wanting to learn from you, uh, how do people who haven't been journeying with these themes, how do they react when they hear about how important this is to you? Yeah, a lot of it has to do, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm coming fresh off of a, of a retreat um, literally just this week um, with eight pastors who lead large churches, uh, eight different states. And, um, you know, they signed up for this cohort with me because I think part of it is, you know, it's like, hey, I'm leading this big thing. I kind of need some help. I've got some tricky structure issues or staffing things to figure out or how do I do with my generosity stuff or what's my next move to launch campus? And we're going to get to all that. But the whole first session we just spent on who are you in Christ and Mm. how, um, what are you doing to to nurture that as just church of yours is going to double in the next 10 years? What What's happening to you? And um, to, you know, every single one of them was just like, wasn't expecting this. Thank you. 
Mm. Um, there's just the ring of truth to to this. And so I think there's a welcomeness, uh, a welcoming, but that's because I'm a practitioner who has cred with them that I'm also willing to grow a church. And I think it is trickier when someone comes and and doesn't maybe take into account the personality of a driven leader, doesn't take and doesn't honor, you know, the fact that we're not just going to sort of we have to do, you know, some things that seem like you're you're trying to overlay a, a suit of armor that doesn't fit who we are. If that's the only way to sort of do soul care, it that can be a struggle to know how to integrate it in, in yes. into our lives and into our into our church. And um, so I, I think some of it is just as simple as that. Like like how can we talk to Type A driven people about you know having a soul without requiring them to change their personality completely? Yep. You know, I will say there's some big changes in my practices and my habits of life but i've also figured out that that you know i think god made me kind of who i am and there's some unhealthy sides of that that have to be tempered and shaped but also it doesn't change who i am i just right. uh, so so i think it's some of those things like so they met you know that that's a sample group that i'm telling you about was like thank you and welcome help me know how to I- integrate this in because I like what you're saying. I feel a hunger for it, but I am a little suspicious. I'm a little, there was a couple of them were just like, you know, we tried that kind of thing. Um, oh, wow. We tried that. And and I don't know what they all meant by that, but, um, you know, just like they, they, they felt like, I think it's just this unhealthy and artificial bifurcation between it's either soul care or flourishing ministry, which, you know, I think Jesus was kind of successful in ministry. If you define success by accomplishing what God sent you to do, Um, you know, there was fruitfulness there. There was disciples that were called that started a movement that's still growing. I think he was successful in that way. And yet here he was demonstrating all of these things that we're talking about, about time with the father that, uh, created this deep well of of identity out of which everything flowed. And that when guys hear that, they're like, how do we do that? Yes. Everyone wants that. I think there's a new hunger for that. Yeah. I think, well, in the pandemic uh, sort of yeah. Yeah. really caused a lot of questioning about pastoral identity. What is the role of a pastor? What is needed in our day? How do we stay, you know, in a place of mental well-being and physical well-being and all those other things? So I think, the last number of years, from my perspective, have accelerated the willingness to have this conversation. But I think it's it's vital for yourself and other people like you, Ben, to be the ones helping bring voice to this to leaders, like you're saying, who are, if we put this in a frame that says you've got to change your personality to only light candles every day and that's all you do, like they can't, shouldn't even hear it because it's too big a gear shift of their fundamental identity. But when we can help the frame of this be what's accessible and understood and and feels familiar and desirable, and then we say, this is how it supports the things that you are caring about, but doesn't become a, they don't become a God in their own right. Like soul care doesn't become just another way to make you more effective. It has value in and of its own right, but you matter in the midst of your doing. Anyway, I'm starting to say the message. But, but it's beautiful. I, it's beautiful what you're saying. And, and I will I will tell you this in complete transparency. I think some pastors, probably some pastors listening to this, might need to be roped into the consideration of this integration into their church with some soul care stuff, precisely on some uh, on on the first step, which might be um this will help your church be all that you actually want it to be 
And sometimes that's the only love language a pastor will understand. That's true. It's like, you know what? You want a healthy church that that really can keep multiplying because it's not built on something shallow and empty. You you really do want that. And and uh, so the real kind of fruitfulness you want actually can't happen without some legitimate connection with Christ at a, at a deep level, at a leadership level. So legitimizing it that way, or, or or the finishing well conversation, Mindy. I mean, as selfish as that might be, you know, to to say that is a way that I've seen doors open to consider this. It's like, you know, people smarter than you, better than you, have not finished well, and it wasn't because they they didn't have enough new ideas. Yep. Or they didn't have catchy, you know, people in their communications department, yep. or you know, whatever. It wasn't their theology. It it was it was something in their soul fried or convinced them that they were. Um, it, it didn't alert them to a fact to, that they were on a path that was leading to their own destruction, yep. and and that can happen to you. So it's worth figuring this out. You know, that may feel like not very altruistic, but I do think it is a way of getting attention to say um, this is worth investing in, even if we have to start there. I don't think soul care is the thing you want to say, hey, do it because it'll grow your church and you'll finish better. But sometimes I think it might be, honestly, I would say to some pastors, if that's the only thing that gets you interested in saying, how can I live more authentically with Christ? Let's start there. Yeah. And out of that, that there is a whole other, there's a whole lot more, but it does, it is a place to start maybe. I don't know if it's a good thing to say. I'm interested in what you think of that. I actually, I, I actually love it. <laughs> And I have been uh, a translator in these spaces. I just often feel like sometimes, sometimes the even only going after my own soul's well-being for the utilitarian ends of yeah. it can can um, can further undermine yeah. my identity and my my true value and worth. But but fair, but fair enough. certainly not beyond saying and i do think it's true everything we're saying it's not like we're a bait and switch it's like oh no this you do tend to your inner life you do have a much better chance of finishing well you have a much better chance of bringing the right kind of energy to your team and to your congregation that will ultimately produce the kind of growth but you will at the same time be being set free from needing that growth to be okay about yourself and yeah Oh, like- I th- that's so good, Mindy. The way you, you see, you just did what you always do. That's that's <laughs> that was really good. And I think some of I think we're, I think we're seeing heroes change too, Mindy. I think that the landscape is changing. Like who Very the hero? Cool. Like who do I want to go be like when I grow up? And I'm you know, yep. and it's not just these mega monster pastors who are just leading these huge enterprises. It's people that are integrate that are really way more. Um, ba- I don't know. I want to use the word the weak word balance, but they're integrated in who they are. They have more of a concern for um, discipleship, mm-hmm. not just of others, but in their own lives. And I think we're seeing that shift. Don't you like the heroes that are being held yes. up? Like, go be like that guy, you know, Rich Viotis kind of people yep. that are like wonderful leaders, but that leadership is also composed of the of a more, you know, real realistic. Um, yeah, I would say. And I think we're seeing more examples of people like yourself, Ben, honestly, who are, who are leading those, you know, from the outside kind of hair on fire environments, there's a lot of productivity, there's a lot of creativity, a lot of energy, but I know a lot of your staff, <laughs> they're not dying inside. They are not feeling like they're in a toxic environment where just they're a cog in a machine. That is not the case. And those heroes are changing. And I think that is a big part of, you know, my deep hope is that 
you know, five years from now, not 20 and 30, 50 years from now, five years from now, we see a significant change in the levels of health of leaders and the organizations they lead as a result of this kind of integration. And mm-hmm. I agree with you, balance isn't quite the right word. It's really yeah. much more about more an integrated self, an integrated view of leadership, an integrated view of the spiritual life. And um, yeah, we're making mm-hmm. progress in it. Thanks to people like you. I, I think we really are. I do see a change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, one thing I have seen over the years is that sometimes some churches that I've engaged with or whatever others have, where people thought they knew what spiritual formation was, and they hated it as a result of that. And it took a lot of this reorienting because it's either super legalistic for some people. They they came into it, oh, it's just, you know, Bible study and prayer and that's it and show up to church and that's all spiritual formation is. And then easy to reject that and vilify a very mechanical understanding of this life with God. So that was one area. Another that I have heard, maybe you have as well, is like, oh, that's just all new agey stuff. It's just people sitting in a room with a candle in the middle. And that's weird. Uh, You know, who knows they're going to like sacrifice a chicken or something. I mean, it just gets really weird and they don't know where to put it. And then the other sort of barrier that I've heard is some organizations felt like this was too Catholic. It's too, it's coming from Catholic roots. It can't be Orthodox. Any of those things have you encountered where there's resistance to the ideas of spiritual formation of soul care on the basis of any of those? Absolutely. I think all of them. Um, Again, sometimes I think we fear what we maybe haven't experienced. And um, I think so, which ones of those come out of the various mouths of leaders sometimes says more about the leader than than the thing itself. But yes, I've heard I've heard all those. Uh, I've heard uh, about you know uh, it's just going to create a new set of rules to follow uh, so that we can say we're you know this sort of spiritual insider now. The concerns you know uh, you know and and so I, I I will say this I I think behind some of those there can be a legitimate um check or or question like right. I, I i've there's certain people that we would say well they're soul care kind of writers and you and i would be able to maybe sift through and glean this brilliant idea but then you realize well you know other parts of this person i'm not sure how founded they really are on scripture or that you know there is this massive cultural yep. thing where the, the locus of authority is now myself and if soul care becomes that of course it's it's going to it's going to end up imploding on itself yep but but I think the the sort of fear that that could be the case has sort of caused some I think to kind of just say mm-hmm. I think it's all coming from this sort of yeah. expressive individualism sort of angle uh, that makes me nervous and there's a there's a retrenchment happening in this season of, of people saying maybe the instinct is good we got to get back to the word of God but part of that is actually ironically working in a way that I think keeps some soul care kinds of things at arm's length. So I think there's another one you didn't necessarily mention, but the also just the contemplative versus, you know, the activist thing. It's like, I, I, we don't have time to sit around for hours on end and stare at our navels, you know, sort of like, if that's what it is, I'm not interested in it. And I think one other thing you didn't mention is, um, is and 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 I'll be quite honest. We have, you know, we we tasted a little bit of some of this in our own environment, and 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 I would say this to a pastor who's who's like wanting to open the door a little bit to, you know, we sent some people off to a, a place to do some training and to do some thinking more deeply about soul care. We've 
We've got a number of uh, groups. We've run hundreds through, we call them our soul care groups. And, um, but for some people, as beautiful as all those opportunities were, and as helpful as all those experiences were, producing exactly the results we were hoping in some, at the same time in others, it kind of, we started noticing a kind of feeding into, oh, I don't know what it would call it, maybe like a spiritual elitism, like, oh, you probably wouldn't understand you haven't been to the thing, yeah. or you don't, you don't know the, lang- the lingo, or, um, oh, bless your heart, you've not been through soul care, so you know, do the best you can. And rather than it coming back as this sort of beautiful gift to the community that led everyone also in similar ways or that, you know, so when I, you know, it's it's like a preacher is a scary role to have because you're going to stand up and talk about loving everybody. And then when you turn around and are a jackass to somebody, it's like, there's a problem there. And I think soul care people, you know, it's not the goal isn't that you get certified or get a number of courses checked off, but that you, in fact, seem to be a different human and are operating <laughs> in a different way with Christ and the world around you. And when, if it's true, you know, so I think, I think when you find someone who is more into the sort of hobby of soul care rather than the actual changes that one would hope to see pastors will latch on to that and yeah. to be quite apparent you know uh, you know i've i've seen i've witnessed some of that and but it, it's not like it means you whitewash the you wash the whole thing away all it meant was some conversations and some tweaks and some beautiful changes so that we could redeem what we knew was was necessary and helpful yeah. and um so i think those are some other things uh, uh but, but where they come from i think they just come from our own we fear what we don't know and maybe what we haven't yeah. experienced and that's why that's why i'm looking for any way to get key leaders open to an experience with god that just helps them feel like my gosh i'm more grounded and more satisfied in Christ and leading and preaching and teaching out of this. I don't care what you call it. I don't care. I don't care how it happens, but when it happens, they're going to want it for everyone in their church, which is what I think the whole point is. Let's make the church more reflective of the Christ whose name we bear and whose mission we carry. And um, so how can we get leaders to experience that? So for me, I'm always trying to figure out how do we get around those defenses that you mentioned and those mm-hmm. stereotypes and those things. And however we do it, I, I just, I, I think it starts with legitimizing it through leaders who are saying, this is good. It doesn't have to mean what you might think it means. Yep. Yep. And one of the things I found, first of all, that was beautiful. I, I love, I love, I hope every single person listening is taking this very much to heart because that was a pretty big challenge to throw down that we hope every leader will experience something that draws them back. And I think that's how people ended up in leadership in the first place. It's not like anybody set out yes. to work, you know, maybe some really pathological, psychological <laughs> issues got into ministry for different reasons. But for the most part, we had an encounter with the living God that shocked us more than anyone. And we started oozing that out to some others in some way that was helpful. And over time, that became organizational leadership. And it should not persist in that role at the expense of their own soul. But Mm -hmm. when you create that space, that experience that you're just talking about, it doesn't take much for most of those leaders to get back to, oh no, this whole thing started. This whole thing started in a tenderness, openness, yieldedness, surrender before the Lord. And I just need to return to that 
right? A returning, a repentance, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Not so, a so good. Yes, it's a, it is a return, and I think I think post COVID, more and more pastors are wrestling with a sense of call because it's just too hard otherwise, and it, it, there's too much opposition. It's too challenging, whatever size your church might be, and whatever you know, it's too difficult. There's got to be that sense of whether you put it in spiritual terms like returning to our first love. Or that sense of call. Why did I get into this? Because I love Jesus and I want other people to know him. Yep. That is all it's going to really keep someone going, I yes. think, uh, in this season Great. of ministry. So it just, it just I think, um, illustrates exactly yep. what you're saying. It's more important than ever. I am so grateful that you would take time out on this beautiful fall day to uh, connect with me on these themes. Ben, I hope every leader everywhere gets to hear what you're saying and the challenge you're bringing. And I hope more and more people are going to find ways to institutionalize, even though it sounds like a pretty, Mm -hmm. you know, mechanical term, but to say, how does practically show up? How does this vision show up in my life and in my team's life to safeguard us and the ministry for long-term influence? So anyway, love you, friend. Thanks so much for joining in. And uh, I will look forward to the next time we get to connect. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom, and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts, and more. That is leadnet.org.